Hi, guys. I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And I am Carlton. Thank you for joining us today. So we are here interviewing Bud about what him and his team kind of do out there. And it's the 49th Parallel? Correct. Is that right? Where did that name come from, out of curiosity? Um, It actually comes from the 49th Parallel, which is the Canadian-American border. Yep. <laughs> Do you guys have a bet on that? That was, that was my guess, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, where did that name come from? And she was like, I bet you it came from the <laughs> Yeah, that's where it come from because uh, we've had lots of different expeditions up there, me and my friends just doing mountain man guy stuff, um, but also have had one of my really good friends who was a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout almost lost his life up there on a trip out in the woods, and I ended up saving his life. Oh, wow. um, and it was on the news and everything. That was back in 2010, 2011, I think 2010. Um, he ended up developing hyponitremia just out of the blue, you know, six miles in the wow. hellhole, as they call it, the Silesia Creek drainage. They call it the hellhole. Hunters call it that. Um, so you can imagine, like, how brutal it is. So that, and then when my oldest daughter came up to live with us in 2014, 2015, um, you know, she never been in the woods, really. Not these woods, woods of Missouri, but, you know, no mountains and stuff like that. So I was taking her out, teaching her, you know, survival skills, mountain skills, stuff like that. And kind of was like, oh, hey, let's do a father-daughter, kind of like mother-daughter type of thing, you know, YouTube channel. Um, but uh, it was short-lived with her because she's not a mountain girl and <laughs> didn't enjoy it at all. So I just kept with it. And it just was, at first it was more of just, you know, the type of gear I use, gear reviews, crazy, you know, videos of our expeditions and things we do. And then it kind of got into the whole search thing with uh, Sam Sayers is where it really blew where it up. Where started. Yeah. Because okay. uh, we did the Patty Krieger search in 2010. Um, we were, you know, we were just going out for a day hike, me and a few friends and Dave at the Rockport store. And we stopped to get all, you know, refuel and get supplies and snacks and stuff. It was like, hey, there's a missing gal up on Sock Mountain. Went missing yesterday. Did you, did you hear about it? We're like... Yesterday? No. And uh, he's like, yeah. He's like, you guys should go up there and, you know, and help out. So we're like, okay, yeah, let's go help out. You guys look out. capable. He's yeah, like, yeah. okay, we were like geared out. Look? We were yeah. planning on being out for three or four days anyway. So, yeah. hey, let's go be out in the mountains and do something good. So we drove up to the trailhead and, you know, the command center, search and rescue, law enforcement, it's all there. And we're like, hey, we heard that there's a gal missing on the mountain. We'd like to come and help search. And instantly it was the first thing out of the sheriff's deputy's mouth was, well, are you search and rescue? Yeah. Well, no, we're not. Well, we don't need your help. You're going to have to leave. Yep. So we were like, okay, that's new on me, but all right, we'll leave. So we left, and they searched for another two or three days and then called it off. And like, okay, hey, they're off the mountain. They called it off. Let's go up there and search on our own accord. So that's what we ended up doing. They ended up bumping in with the family and uh, started coordinating with them. And me and, you know, quite a few of my friends, we spent like a month and a half up there. We built this huge, massive lean-to, stocked it full of gear, pretty much lived on the mountain, scouring it until, you know, finally the sun was like more evidence was coming out. And the family, the son, Alan, was starting to believe that his mom was never on the mountain because of the type of boyfriend she had and some other things details that were coming about and he pretty much was like look I don't think my mom's on the mountain I think she was murdered totally put somewhere else and I don't want you guys out here risking your life and limb for my mom when I don't believe she's on the mountain so we ended up stopping searching for we did go and and search the devil's tower limestone mine there was a rumor that her boyfriend really enjoyed hanging out there and that he might have convinced her to go out there and pushed her down a mine shaft. And wow. the family reached out to search and rescue and law enforcement asking if they would go in there and investigate it, but they wouldn't because the lead wasn't strong enough and it was just too dangerous. So they asked me, like, hey, would you be willing to go in there and search this mine shaft and just get that off the table? And I was like, yeah, if you can get me the ropes, you know, that I need to get down in there. Yeah we'll go down in there and yeah you're like that sounds like something i would do <laughs> yeah and i totally we did we geared up and went down there i got a youtube video 
I think on that. Oh, I need in, to go further back. <laughs> of, I think. Of, us, the, of us going down there. The Sam Sayers case was the first time I had heard your name, uh, like out and about as far as like you being a part of the searches or you being out there. Right. Um, and uh, initially I actually thought you were a part of search and rescue because I just kept seeing your name kind of pop yeah. up. And then same thing with the Patty Krieger case, uh, which we've covered both of those yeah. and Rachel's. Um, so we, we've definitely familiarized ourselves with some of those and with the details. Patty, and, and there's, you know, there's a lot of people who have said, Oh, Bud Carr wasn't even on the Patty case. Um, and the reason why a lot of people think that is because I wasn't with, you know, I didn't have that on social media. I wasn't big on social media at that time when right. Patty was, was her case was happening and then after when we were, when we were searching. So I wasn't really a big presence on social media at the time. So that's why, you know, the only really people who know about us being involved in the Patty thing is the family Definitely. and the people who were out there, you know, searching with me. Yeah, time. we've done we've done that hike quite a few times. I think maybe like three or four times. Have you done the the old trail? We have not done the old trail. See, that's where we operated from. Was okay. it's about six miles off of Conrad Road. Okay. So we went up that trail because in the reports was she was going down towards the lake trail. Right. But they searched to the lake and didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. But if you're going down towards the lake, it V's again. So we've now, gone we've gone down towards the lake there, yeah. and we've never gone past that area. So. so if you go further down, that'll take you all the way back down to Highway 20. Okay. Okay. Now, if I remember correctly, wasn't there a picture of her at the top with everybody? Yes, there was. Okay, okay. But but we don't know what happened after that. We don't know what happened yeah. after that. Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy story. I yeah. Mean. And, and, you know, like with the Sam Sayers thing and the Rachel thing, and before Rachel was found, I was getting it the day before we went out there and found her, you know. And even myself succumbs to the criminal aspect of something, you know, abduction, Bigfoot, you know. Did a wormhole just open up and swallow these people? Because, I mean, when you vanish without a trace, there's no answers whatsoever. And you're, when you're spending hundreds of hours out there and you don't turn up anything, your mind starts to, like, really, like, did an alien abduct this person? Because, man, you would think that we would find something because I spend tons of time out here and I leave trace. So your mind wanders, but, you know, a lot of people, like, I've had people straight up go, yeah, you need to go in and kick this door in because I think Sam Sayers is there. And I'm like, yeah, uh, no. no. You know, or they're like, oh, you know, trying to like go into the criminal aspect of it. And That's I straight up had to put the, the pump. Law. Yeah, I tried to I pump the brakes and I'm like, look, I said, you know, I was, I'm not a detective. I'm not law enforcement. If there's anything criminal or foul play wise, that's up to the cops. If I get involved in any type of aspect like that, that could taint a case. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm a boots on the ground in the mountains type of guy. And, and, you know, and that's all I can do. Which is the best place to be, I think, if yeah. you ask me. I mean, we run into that all the time, though, with our, our listeners or with even some of the family that we talk to where they're like, there's just no way they're on the mountain still. Yeah. But I just think that people don't understand how thick and how people can just really... It's really hard for people who don't know to, like... Well, and, 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 and also is we're, we're out there surviving. You know, we're not just searching flat ground. I mean, we are, you know, not only are we looking for the missing person or a piece of their gear, but we're also looking to see that we're stepping in the right place. You know, I yeah. mean, when we're out there you know, on a 45 degree slow, really it's survival. You know, you're trying to stay, keep yourself from being injured, keep yourself from going off a cliff, trying to, you know, make sure that you're following a good line that's not going to lead to a cliff. So you have all this information that you're trying to process in your brain of, okay, I got to make sure I stay alive and I don't get injured and I'm stepping the right way. But at the same time, I'm also looking for clues of the missing and all that compounded you can miss things because of it. Yeah. And sometimes it comes down to just, you know, fool's luck, being at the right place at the right time, at, at the, the right, right angle. angle. Yeah. You know, because when you're talking about a slope, uh, and, you know, in, in Rachel's case, uh, last year I came within literally 15 feet of a piece of her remain. Which is crazy. And didn't see it. Yeah. And then, you know, a week or two, three weeks before we found her at the end of the July when we went down into the 4,500 foot elevation based off of this fire that Brad dad, you know, thought was hers. I came within 30, 40 feet of her 
and didn't see her. And it's a lot to do with the slope. You know, if I'm down looking up, if it's just a foot below 20 feet away from me, you know, I can't see it. And if I'm yeah. standing up and she's a foot below behind a log or there's a tree there or a boulder, you know, and I'm looking down, you're not going to see it yeah. until you're right at the right angle. I was amazed, actually, because, I mean, I know I know that people can remain hidden out there for forever. Yeah. I mean, it happens. But when I was watching one of the videos that you posted, you know, of kind of the terrain in the area, I was just like, I mean, it just hits you just how dense it is. Yeah. And like you said, the angle can be so important because if she was trying to shelter or trying to, like, tuck up under that log or trying to get some away from the wind mm -hmm. and the elements. Yes. some of the elements yeah to try to avoid the elements then it would be really difficult to see her just walking at any particular angle i mean you'd have to just be at the right It'd spot be pretty much right on top of her and did i did i hear you say that the trail was actually closed the day that you went yes yep and uh brad dad messaged me thursday night hey i heard that the road shut down because of the fire the pencil creek fire and so I looked at, you know, I went online and looked, and sure enough, the road was closed. So I called him back, and I was like, yeah, you're right, the road's closed. And he, he responded, well, are you guys going to call off the search? And I was like, hell no. Come on, Brad, Dad. <laughs> you know me. Ain't nothing going to stop me when, you know, when something's on my mind. I'm not going to stop. We'll just go a different way. Especially and, when you're already, like, mentally geared yeah, up to go. Yeah, and... Yeah. The outdoor writer and the photojournalist was already planning on coming out there with us, so I didn't want to stand them up. Mm -hmm. And so, and then also, it's also, you know, I, I really do operate, you know, navigate my life with letting the universe guide me. I don't let the wind just blow me wherever it wants, but I will keep my eye out for when the universe is like trying to nudge me into a direction. And when I talked to Brad, Dad, and Jamie both that night, they're you know, they were expecting that we just weren't going to go at all because of the yeah. road being closed down. And I told them, I was like, no, I was like, this can be the speed bump that bumps us in the right direction. Yeah. This could be what the universe is putting in our path to divert us to be right where we want to be. Yeah. And lo and behold, it was, was. yeah, we, you know, we went a whole different way, a way we didn't want to go. Because um, it was a easier. harder way. <laughs> Definitely a harder way. I mean, you yeah. know, we went up straight 3,000 vertical feet of elevation through rugged steep terrain to get to her whereas yeah. you know up above we'd only had to go down a thousand or fifteen hundred feet from above yeah. to get to that area so it definitely was and then sometimes that's the way it is you really got to pay your dues sometimes to win your prize yeah if we want to consider it that yeah i mean it's funny i i think a lot of people don't look at things that way i think a lot of people kind of are looking for the easiest way to get that payout. Like, and if it's not going to be easy, then maybe we just do something different or yeah. we're not going to do that. So yeah. no. um, I really appreciate hearing somebody say, you have to do the hard stuff. Yeah, my dad always said that. And I, I, I say that to my, my kids, you know, I was like, as cars, we'd look for the hard route. That's what my dad always drill into my head as a kid. It's like, we look for the, we enjoy the hard. We enjoy the hard. You'll enjoy the hard. And, and I do. I enjoy yeah. the challenge. That's the reason yeah. why we take these, you know, that's the reason why we take these cases. Um, in lost person behavior, these people, you know, Patty, Rachel, Sam, Shirley now, you know, they're in what's considered the 3% category. That, yeah. So, I mean, instantly, we have a mountain above us as far as chances of finding this person is stacked completely against us. And when they say it's lottery odds... You know, search and rescue has said that. Oh, it's lottery odds. It, it in a way, it, it really is. is. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, you aren't going to find the people unless you're out there searching for them. Mm -hmm. And even three percent odds is better than <clears throat> is nothing. Better than zero. Yeah. Because if I sat at home, that's what the odds would be. Would be zero. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, somebody posted, reposted one of your videos on Facebook. I think you're still on Facebook jail, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got six days left. <laughs> What Don't if talk that... bad about pedophiles. <laughs> I literally, I was laughing so hard when you, when you said that you were in Facebook jail. <laughs> no, but somebody like reposted one of your videos on Facebook and it was not the last one, maybe the one before, what next, or like, uh, it, it was one of those. 
And a bunch of people were commenting, well, why doesn't he just become a, an official part of search and rescue? And I'm like, because he goes out once they've given up. Yeah. Like, that's not what search and rescue does. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I get asked a lot, and I try not to be egotistical or vengeful with my answer, but nonetheless, I will be. It's the reason why I don't want to be on search and rescue is because we're not on team quit. That's that's our little official saying in, in, in our group of, you know, why we're not on search and rescue is because, one, uh, I don't want, I'm not going to be told you got to quit. You know, I don't, I'm not going to be, I'm not the type of guy who could sit there and be like, you know, like when I got involved in the Sam thing and my father was still alive and he, yeah, because my dad was a search and rescue coordinator in Colorado back oh, in was. the 80s. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, completely different than how it is nowadays. It's, it's, it astounds me because I grew up a certain way in the, search and re- in the search and rescue community as a kid, seeing how search and rescue operated back in the 80s, you know, and, and even in the early 90s out there to what the way it is now. Totally and different ball game, right? Totally different ball game. So yeah. So number one is uh, yeah. No, I don't, I'm not. I'm not going to be forced to to not be able to go out there and search. I don't want to be told, oh yeah, hey, we decided to quit. Um, you can't go back out there, and and because if you are search and rescue, and you go out and help families or search on your own accord, you can end up losing your certification. It's a liability. You can end up, you can yeah. end up getting boot, booted out of the search and rescue team. Mm-hmm. Um, because of it. And then, and then also, you know, there's, there's just so many things that they do that I don't believe in doing. Like, let's take, for instance, their hours, okay? Um, you know, there was 9,000 hours spent searching for um, Sam Sayers. There was about six to 7,000 searching for Rachel. There's about 3,000 hours searching for Shirley Bauman. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. And you think, wow, 10,000 hours, you know, that's a lot of time searching. Whereas to see me when I, you know, I only track my trail mile, my, I don't track trail miles. My miles, when I say I have 100 miles of searching, that's just searching. That's not hiking up and down the trail. That's yep. completely off the trail. That's not driving searching. there. That's not that's driving not, there. You know, yeah. when I say I have 500 hours searching for Rachel, that's not the time I've spent on the mountain sleeping or hanging out at camp. That's the time I have yeah. off the trail, in the field, actually searching. Whereas with search and rescue, they take the moment you leave your house to the moment you come back home, all those hours are counted. Even your report writing, Even your everything. report writing, yep. phone calls, mm-hmm. it's all counted. Why they do it, uh, I honestly don't know. I can only speculate, and I won't speculate. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and, like, you know, the outdoor writer, Eli, was, uh, was talking to me about, he's like, you know, why, about the controversy of why search and rescue is so against what we do, or what I do and my team does, because we are doing a righteous thing. We're picking up where you guys quit and left off and we're helping these families and at the very least we're giving them daily solace that somebody still cares out there for my loved one and out there searching i imagine that alone probably brings so much peace to their family members because i have said this many times if something happened to one of my daughters i have a few of them maybe more than a few if something happened to one of my children i don't know how i could move on with my daily life without being out there looking for yeah. them, without constantly just not being able to function, not yeah. knowing what happened. And I imagine that if I was in that position and I knew somebody like you was out there looking, I might be able to at least sleep at night. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised that Search and Rescue would take issue with that. Well, I think the reason why Search and Rescue takes issue with it like Eli asked me because he talked to search and rescue and there's going to be some you know sections in the in the article that comes out about you know the the reasons why they kind of stand against me with and the main thing it seems like it's my social media presence around these cases and Eli asked me he's like you know well so why do you do the social media thing and number one is so I can be held accountable you know what greater way to be held accountable for your successes and your failures than the people being able to witness you doing what you're doing you know, another thing is it gives the family actually solace. Anybody could say, you know, my dad said, you lead by example, you know. Um, anybody could say, yeah, we've been out there searching for, you know, a thousand hours. Um, but to show, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to actually show the people, you know, not only 
that we're out there searching, but that we are literally suffering. You know, we literally are in a constant struggle of survival out there, and we're doing that for these people's loved one that's missing, and for them that's left here, you know, in the aftermath. And yeah, and like you said, that brings a solace and a peace to the family that's unfathomable, and how can you contend that? Not only that, but who doesn't? post their lives on social media. It's the thing nowadays. And another thing, another reason is, you know, I don't have these $8 million uh, SAR budgets or whatever they call it. Um, you know, I don't have volunteers who have signed a, a, you know, a contract or a commitment saying at any moment you call me and need me, I'll be there. I don't have those resources that yeah. search and rescue do. I literally have to like put the call out to just people in the community and be like, hey, we need your help, right. you know. Who's out there that's willing to come out with us and help us? Yeah. So I have to use it. It's a tool that I have to use. Yeah, I'm not the great at PC or, you know, the great, as great <laughs> on camera, but I'm an honest, blunt-ass guy, and you could either love me or hate me for it, but I'm going to tell you straight up how it is, and at least, you know, you'll get the truth from me. And that's, and, you know, like my mom always said, you, you know, you can't please everybody. 50% will love you. 50% will hate you. And I'd rather have the right people loving me and the wrong people hating me than 100%. the right people hating, hating me. Well, here. I feel like in this situation, the family's all that matters. Exactly. Honestly. And that's where I'm at. You yeah. know, and you know, the law enforcement, search and rescue, everybody can say what they say. And I really don't give a damn. But the, that morning when Brad Dad gave me oh. that hug after, you know, finally for the first time of seeing each other after, you know, we found Rachel. That's all that matters. When Brad Dad calls me up and he tells me I love you, you know, when he tells me, hey, I'm so proud of you. You've given me the greatest gift in life, you know, other than what his, you know, mother of this child did for him by giving him right. his child. Uh, yeah, ever that just... The rest of it doesn't really doesn't matter, really does matter it? really matter at all, no. Now, Brad Dad is Rachel's dad, right? Yes, Rachel's His father. name is Brad, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But they, they, everybody in the family called him Brad Dad, and since now I'm considered family, I get to call him. One thing I wanted you to tell our listeners is about this article and where they can find it okay. when it does come out. So it'll be coming out in the Spokane Daily Review. August 29th, it'll be out online okay. or front page of the... Spokane Daily Review. And it should be online as well? Yes. Okay, perfect. So they can go and get more in-depth story on you and Rachel and all of that there yeah. as yeah. well. Okay, yeah. so go and look for that. I Have you looked for anyone and not been in contact with the family of that person? Uh, yes, and that was Sage Adams, the 11-year-old boy who went missing on the Skagit last year. Was that the river? Yeah, oh. the river incident. We were actually coming down from searching from Rachel and when we were crossing the bridge through Marble Mount, we noticed lots of, you know, they had the search and rescue boats in the water, search and rescue everywhere, and we knew okay, something new uh, happened. And so we, you know, we are headed back home, went back home, told you know my wife and kids, hey, there's something going on. So we started, you know, reaching out to the community. Hey, we see, you know, there's a search and rescue mission going on in Marble Mount. What's going on? And they're like, oh, yeah, there's an 11-year-old boy who went missing on the Skagit. Um, so, you know, child involved. It's immediate. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. we totally just, you know, revamped all of our gear, resupplied, and went out and started searching um, with trying to get as much information of where they've covered and what was going on at the time. But we immediately just turned around and went out and got in the woods and then, you know, started to let people feed us information while we were out there. And uh, we searched for a couple days. Then we ran into the father. I was taking a couple of my team guys up Highway 20 and showing them, you know, from the road, like, where the sets of rapids are, where the father flipped over. And then trying to just get an idea of, you know, where to where to cross because we're, you know, this is how we operate when someone's missing. When we're doing a search mission, I hate spending and wasting time and energy going to and from a search zone. I would rather just take all my gear, get it in there, set up camp, yeah. stay on there because to me it's like, hey, this person's out here laying on the ground somewhere so alone, cold, 
suffering, you know, the least I can do at the very least is be out there experiencing the same thing that they are. Yeah. Um, so that's one reason also why we do it that way. And then two, it saves on time and energy. I could spend more time and energy focused on searching. So we went out there for a couple days, staying over the night, searching the East Bank because they didn't get too much on the East Bank because you have to come in if on foot, if not by boat. You have to come in seven miles from either New Halem or seven miles from Marble Mount oh, okay. to get to that specific area where the where the big four rapids are. And me and it was just me and Ryan. Everybody else was working or out of town. And so we're camped out right on the old railroad grade. It's evening. We just spent like five miles searching that day on the eastern bank. I ended up finding where the father came out of the water. I found his tracks where he came out of the water. Oh, wow. Didn't find any tracks of anybody else coming out of the water other than him. And uh, we're, laying in, we're laying in our beds. It's kind of rainy. You know, we ended up borrowing this one-man raft. Oh, this was horrible. It was a one-man raft that I borrowed from a friend. And me and Ryan, and Ryan's like a 240-pound guy. <laughs> so we got myself, Ryan, our full backpacks of like 6,500 cubic inches of gear, you know, on this little I've raft. I've seen your backpack. It's <laughs> not small. And I'm like just rolling across the Skagit <laughs> to get us over there, which we do get over there. Um, and we set up camp. So we're laying in camp that night, and all of a sudden we start hearing, you know, branches breaking coming towards camp. We're like bear what's going on and we start hearing voices and we're like who's out there you know i did it for yourself or you're gonna be fired upon you know that's just something we say don't mean you know like who are you well who are you and like i mean we're looking for our son and uh, we're like well we're looking for your son too so they finally come into camp and they're just soaking wet they have hardly any gear at all there's four of them Three or four of them, you know, and they came from New Halem. So they just spent all day searching seven miles from New Halem on the eastern bank of the Skagit to where we were at. And they had either seven more miles to go, and this is like 9 o'clock. Or they had to go back. Or they had to go back seven miles. And it's like 9 o'clock at night at this time. Mm -hmm. And they are soaking wet. They have no rain gear, no tents, no shelter, hardly any food. And they're, like, communicating with their people on the road across the river by radio, you know, like, what's going on? Where are you guys at? How long is it going to take? And uh, they ended up asking us, like, well, how'd you guys get back here? Like, oh, we took a raft. Like, you got a raft? Like, well, if you want to call it a raft, but (laughs) we got a raft. It took, like, five hours to ferry these three guys across the Skagit River in this little crappy raft that we had. Thank goodness it was a Zodiac brand with a hard bottom, but nonetheless... (laughs) So, yeah, so I ended up ferrying his father and his two friends back across the Skagit and dropped them wow. off and then never seen or heard from them after that. And wow. they gave me a shout-out for uh, on, on their Facebook page that they had up for so rescuing right. them, as, uh, as they <laughs> called it. So wow. We've seen not that exact thing, obviously, but with a family member of um, Tom, was it? Yeah. Oh, Tom Simonson? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. His son um, thanked us for our for mentioning him on our podcast and seeing our watching yeah we our couldn't video. respond because it was a review like he left yeah. it on a review yeah. but that was really because uh, my nice mom did hear. the hike when rachel went missing i did it a year a year after the rachel day the missing. same day a year oh. after she went oh. missing so she, just to get a video of all, all yeah. the train and the yeah. hike and i was i it was the first time i had done the hidden lake lookout and i was amazed how difficult it was to follow the trail and there was no snow when i did it it yeah. was a nice sunny day there was no snow it was great um, and she actually had a snowstorm come yeah. in. So I can't imagine without GPS. Uh, there's points in the video where I'm like, look, this is where I'm looking. I'm on like a boulder field right now. There's no trail. There's Karns over here and there's Karns over there. But I don't know which ones to follow if I, I don't have Karns. G- oh. I kick Karns over. I, I'm I, a Karn <laughs> killer. I am. I just think that the idea of them is great. I like think well, the, the idea of like trying to make it so people will know the trail. Yeah. I think I've been led astray more often by them yes. than yes. than 100%. not because I think people don't realize that they people are following those sometimes, and yeah. if you're set, setting them up in places where it doesn't make sense, yeah. Or people sometimes will think that oh, a car in here, there's got to be a, a a change in direction of the trail or something. And we encountered that the day Brad Dad came up this year. 
and we went out to this place because, you know, all winter long, Rachel was telling him, you know, that fire you found was was me. I was there. That was my fire, Dad. You know, she was telling him that all winter. Yeah. Because um, he found it the uh, pretty much the, the last search of last year um, was when him and his friend and found it. And where did you guys, where did he find that, that fire About 5,500 feet right there before the trail hooks south to the left oh to the left you're going up it hooks to the left Uh if you went straight off of there boom that's where the fire was at right down in the trees about 5500 feet so you know he was having this sense like something just tells me that this is rachel's you know something's just been gnawing at me that this is rachel's camp um and jamie wasn't so much on it uh he really didn't wasn't feeling anything and really didn't believe because he's like yeah she, we never ate cup of noodles out in the mountains you know we ate mountain house and there was a cup of noodle wrapper there but the the tidiness of how tidy everything was the trash that she left behind how tidy that was really spoke to brad dad as his daughter well it's funny too because i when maddie and i go out hiking together we will eat mountain house meals yeah. because they're so big we will share them yeah but when either of us hike without each other, we do top ramen or cup of noodle right. because it's like a comfort, like a yeah. yeah. Um, so there was this other place that wasn't far from the fire that we found that's actually going down the northern flank from the trail. So instead of hooking left or going straight west to where her fire was, if you hooked right down that drainage that goes pretty much right up to the trailhead. We found a little like shelter spot down there with some mountain oh. house wrappers, and we knew she carried mountain house wrappers. Okay. Uh, so you know, and then based off of the gut feeling Brad was having, I was like, "Well, Brad, I w- I want to take you to this other spot, you know, that looked like someone was sheltering here, ate a mountain house, and then continued on moving." And I want to see if you get a feeling from, from that him. spot. Yeah. It almost killed him getting him down and out of there literally i mean he had a really hard time um but he got down there and was like yeah um don't feel like nothing is someone left some trash here he had no like nothing and but before we dropped down in there we were coming up the trail and right there before it hooks south there's this there's that one good steep ravine where the water's draining down through and this 80-year-old gal is going down it. And at first I thought she was going down to get some water or maybe she's going down to hide behind a big boulder to go to the bathroom or something. But I could tell by the way she's moving and looking that she thinks she's on the trail. Oh. So I'm sitting there watching her and waiting for Brad Dad and Ryan to show up. And then... You know, I'm getting ready to holler at her, and she turns around and looks up and sees me. And she's like, is the trail up there? Oh, my god! Yeah, the trail's up here. Oh, my goodness, I've missed the trail. And believe it or not, right there, there was a carn. Oh, so my god! So she saw the carn. Of course there and was. And thought the carn <laughs> was a marker that the trail went down instead of across the, the boulders. So yeah, I uh, I loathe carns. I, well, I'm I glad I'm not over. the only one. <laughs> I kicked them over. Yeah. I'm a car and assassin. Yeah. We, we'll help you out with that when we're out and about. And the crazy thing about it is also is so, in 2018, a really good friend of mine and one of our teammates, uh, Cody Terpko, he ended up getting in a bad car wreck, and he was born October 17th, and he died on his birthday, October 17th of 2019. Well, Rachel's birthday is October 17th. And that weekend, I wanted to do something, you know, to go and get up high in the mountains and go talk to my friend, you know, that's in Valhalla. So I was actually considering two different lookouts to go and stay in that weekend. One was the Lookout Mountain Lookout Tower. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it is awesome. It's a, quite a bit of a feat to get there versus Hidden Lake. What's uh, it called? Lookout Mountain Lookout. Lookout Mountain. So it's I've like heard the, of it. it's the, of it. it's the first one um, once you get in, up Cascade River Road. But you pretty much park on the road, and it's six miles to the lookout. Okay. So you're starting from 1,200 feet all going the all up. the way up to yeah. 6,000 and something. 
So it was either that one or Hidden or Hidden Lake Lookout. I was planning on going to that weekend. Wow. Um, and always, I always check weather reports before I go out in the wilderness, especially Same. alone. Yeah. Um, cause that was my intention was to go out that weekend alone. I'm and pretty it, sure I've heard you say multiple times, don't go in the woods alone. Yeah. 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 You also say that <laughs> and go out in the woods by yourself. So yeah. I'm so apparently of both of us don't room. take our own advice. Well, the thing about it is, is, you know, you have to be able to, you know, we, we all have double standards in life. Yeah. And we all have our own hypocrisies. Um, and, you know, that's just human nature. So you got to embrace it. So, so yeah, you know, so I, you know, and I have done lots of solo missions um, alone. Um, one thing that we always try to tell our listeners is, you know, add this to your list. Like, do this before you go hiking. Do this while you're hiking. Do Carry this. this while you're hiking. Right. Like, increase your chances for survival if you're going to go out there. We always try to give our listeners advice. And, you know, we've had this happen. We've learned from this. Um, what would you say is the biggest piece of advice or the piece of advice you find yourself wishing you could have given or giving people on a regular basis? Um, I'd say the best piece of advice is the more you know, the less you need. Um, second piece would be the old adage of it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Mm-hmm. In the Northwest, our mountains create their own weather. You know, you can have beautiful 80-degree weather, and then all of a sudden it's dumping down rain Been at 7,500 yeah. feet. So uh, rain gear is a must. Me, personally, I keep all my gear. I have a 65-liter sea line dry bag that all my gear goes into inside my backpack and it it don't matter if it's going to be sunny for a week and it's calling for sun for a week i still have all my gear in that dry bag year round no matter the season because the moment your gear is wet you're and it You're you're in trouble yep um so definitely always think about waterproofing i'd say number one thing is if you do go alone make sure you're going somewhere that you have been before you know have a detailed itinerary for your loved one back at home what's your out time yeah and Mm -hmm. and stick to it no matter what you know if you say you got this time of turnaround turn around at that time it's that turnaround time that gets a lot of people because we have this built in like we don't want to go back we don't want to summit fever yeah we don't want to cover ground without making it to the top Mm -hmm. and i've done it um when i've hiked higher peaks and i've done it when i probably should have turned around at some Mm -hmm. point and i didn't and you know you suffer the consequences of that but i think a lot of people who get into trouble they didn't know that they were really in trouble until it was too late. Yeah, yeah, and it happens. It happens quite a bit. And that was a nice thing about that old lady that we helped out that day was that she had a turnaround time of three o'clock, and she stuck to it. Um, if she would have deviated from, the, and she was like, once it hit three, she had it set on her alarm on her phone or or her watch or whatever. That once it hit three, she stopped and turned around. Yeah. If she would have been five or ten minutes past that, we would have never met her. Yeah. We'd have been down in the woods and would have never seen her, and she could have been another gal missing or perished on the mountain. Yeah. So it really is critical on sticking to your plan and not deviating from it unless you're forced, and also have a backup plan. Um, you know, like I've been in the, in the wilderness in, in Colorado – and the only thing I had on me was my clothes, and I'm literally stuffing, you know, pine needles and leaves and debris inside my clothing for insulation to stay warm. Yeah. You know, um, so it really does come down to knowing how to survive with the bare minimum because you never know when you might end up with the bare minimum. Yeah. Even if you got a whole pack full of gear. What if you lose that pack? What if you, you know? lose your pack? What yeah. if you lose your pack and all your gear and you well, have nothing? We talk about that because we, we hike together mostly. I mean, she's the person I hike the most mm-hmm. with. Um, she rarely goes hiking without me, and when she does, I'm super stressed out about it. Yeah. It's really bad. But in my pack, I always carry our shelter because we 
we have, we usually, I mean, we both have our own tents now, but we usually just take one with us. So we usually have our gear split. And so we've always talked about, okay, so if I have the shelter, you carry the food, you know, let's, let's give ourselves the best chance of survival if we lose one of these packs or something happens. Um, But we, we carry more gear than we ever need on a day yeah. hike when we day hike yeah, we so like we're just being dramatic on day hikes. <laughs> <laughs> well that's good that's, i know I, I i get it sometimes from the outdoor there community spend the night up there? are you guys sleeping up here right no. i get that from the outdoor community because i'll have my tent with me but i also carry a bivy for my sleeping bag my sleeping bag is in a bivy all the time mm-hmm. so it's like well you got a tent where you need a bivy for it's like well what if my tent gets destroyed <laughs> you know what if uh, the wind rips my tent away while I'm gone during the day? Well, or... and if you can handle the, the weight, right? Yeah. Like, we're trained to carry a certain amount of weight. And so when we go backpacking for a week or a longer period of time, we can handle that weight yeah. because we carry it all the time. Yeah. So why not condition yourself to carry that little bit of extra weight, exactly. even if it's like 25 pounds, yeah. that might save your life? Yeah, yeah. Why are people not carrying, like... Where's your map? Where's your compass? Where's your GPS? Yeah. Where's your gun? Because yeah. I'm sorry, but I want all of those things when yeah. I'm hiking. Well, if it makes you feel any better, all the young people that I know that hike, they all their parents made them care, made mm. them get garments because so of they you. All have <laughs> yeah, and some people are uh, you know cavalier about it. Some people you know can't afford it. Um, it's not you know it's not it's a not cheap, cheap. It's not yeah. cheap. You can put it on hold though. You can yeah, pause it. You can pause it and everything. I but use then it year round though. Yeah. But. Um, but then it's you know it's one of those things that you you get it turned off. You forget to turn it on. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, there definitely needs to be more awareness. More awareness with well, especially the, with it's very trendy to hike right now. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so a lot of young people, especially. But you know. I kind of attribute a lot of it to these big box stores, you know, REI and mm. all these other out, you know, outfitters, Cabela's and and whatnot, and you know, these people get a sense that it's an amusement park ride. You know, you start at the trailhead, you go to the lookout, and as long as you stay on the trail from A to B, you're going to be pretty much fine keep and it's your like, hands and feet inside yeah inside the vehicle, the vehicle on yeah yeah and for the most part that's true um but the moment you fall out of that ride yeah. you step off of that trail and you're in well it's like the geraldine case that we covered geraldine Lar- Largay, who was found less than half a mile off the trail she right. just stepped off the trail to go use the bathroom yeah. and then Never couldn't found the trail couldn't yeah. find her way back yeah and, and she was real close and she, she was there for like a week uh, no, uh, well, three weeks according to her journal entries, weeks, but they yeah. don't know if the last one was or if that correct. She was like losing her mind and right. entered the wrong date, or so uh, they think days. at least two weeks a she was alive weeks, out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. so and close just to the trail, couldn't find her way back. Yeah. And they knew about the area that she had gone missing, and they still couldn't find her. I mean, it doesn't. It's so it's easy. Insane. When we have to use the bathroom, we don't go far from tra- the trail. Right. Uh, we just don't, and. One trekking pole stays there, and you have to be able to see it yeah. from wherever you are, period. Right. And, you know, it's – I'm sure people we've, – we've had people accidentally walk up on us when we're using the bathroom, but I'd rather that than – Yeah, than yeah. something bad Than happened. get lost, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, you know, the national park system, the national forest, and I don't know, have you guys done any research into, like, what the statistics are on how many people are missing in you know, we've Department actually, of Interior lands? We've actually had a lot of trouble finding accurate stats. Uh, yeah. So you, yeah. And you will, and you will. Mm-hmm. Um, the best guy who has come up with a super conservative figure is David Pilates. So he says that there's about 1,700 open missing vanished without a tra- trace cases yeah. in any lands that's governed by the Department of Interior. And that's super conservative. Yeah. Um, since just the 90s. Uh, and that's a huge number. That's a huge Even number. Even 1,700 across all the states. And we're not talking about uh, indigenous people on reservations. Right. That's a whole other. That's a whole, a whole other thing. Crazy number. Yeah. So we have this, you know, we have this huge amount of people going missing in the woods. Department of Interior and the sub departments, you know, the Forest Service, the Park Service, they don't keep any records. And and I think that 
by them kind of trying to keep it hush mm-hmm. is contributing to the m- amount of people going missing. Because yeah. you know, people don't know how dangerous it is. Because people don't know how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still called the wilderness for a reason because yeah. it's wild. And, um, and if people did know more about the cases of people missing, maybe they would take more precaution into going out there. So, and a lot of them are clustered. You know, like Yosemite is a huge Yosemite. cluster of um, here in Washington State. There's like four good sized clusters right in our neck of the mm-hmm. woods. You know, Skagit and Snohomish County has got a large cluster of yep. missing people in it. And, uh, and yeah, and hopefully, you know, hopefully one day that'll change and they'll start keeping statistics on this. I'm amazed that they're not required to. Or maybe they just don't want to share them. I don't know. I but think it comes down to the, I think it comes down to, you know, if they make, if they make the wilderness or the parks or the forest more dangerous than what it is, than what they're trying to portray, then they might lose all that uh, recreational funding that they get for yeah. selling their, parking passes passes and outdoor passes and stuff here you don't hear as much there's not as much in the news i mean obviously there's exceptions to that sam sayers we even compared sam and rachel when we were covering both of those cases like there was so much out there about sam and barely anything out there about rachel and everyone already our listeners already knew who sam was but our listeners didn't know who rachel was when we did rachel's case yeah Yeah. that's like sam sayers the facebook page had like ninety thousand followers at the height of it and then rachel's got like three or four thousand on the facebook page it's crazy and they're both 28 years old young single women similar yeah you know out there in the the woods and luck it is, it is, it is. And just coverage. something, yeah, it's, it's just one of those weird, you know, nuances out there that maybe oh. it was because Sam had a bald head, you know. Um, maybe it's yeah. because, uh, you know, she was from Seattle, where, uh, you know, big city like Seattle versus Moses Lake for Rachel. Right. It's hard to say on how it's going to go, but it does have a big impact on the family's ability to continue to search for their loved mm-hmm. one. Like, yeah. in Sam's case... Uh, you know, tons of funding, tons of donation. This one gal bought, you know, when we talked about setting up a, a forward operating base up there, she bought, you know, a canvas wall tent, 12 foot by 12 foot canvas wall tent with a wood stove and had it mailed to Kevin's house. Wow. You know, and then tons of money being donated to their GoFundMe, which was flying in canines and their handlers, flying gear and us up and down off the mountain by helicopter. We yeah, we saw uh, all of that. You know, and then Well, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to cover the Rachel case. Like it was a lot harder for us to get information about it and it was a lot harder for us to I mean, we really had to dig for inf- any information mm-hmm. on Rachel's search and what happened with that and just every anything about her. Um, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to cover it. It was a shorter episode. Yeah. Uh, we did it on our Patreon channel originally and then decided to release it to our regular channel when Tom went missing on yeah. the same hike. But we had to make it a Patreon episode because it was so short because we there wasn't a lot of information. So it turned into a bonus episode instead of a regular one. And we kind of hated that, that yeah. we just there wasn't more information about some of these people who are still missing out there yeah. who... Their families are still looking for them, and it's tragic to me that nobody knows about them. Yeah, yeah. And the, like you said earlier, that's another good thing about keeping it in the forefront of people's minds and keeping it out there um, is they, they, need, they can't be forgotten. Um, yeah. These people cannot be forgotten. Their families not gonna, you know, aren't ever going to forget them. And a society... Because they're members of our society, we should try to keep make it a point to keep their them at the forefront of our minds, also. And yeah. anybody who's willing to do that, got my blessing. Same, yeah. Well, have you heard about Israel Keys? Yes. yes. Oh, that is my mom. It's my. <laughs> oh. No, he's not, my not favorite. Sorry. No, no, no. He's Wrong. my favorite person to blame for unsolved murders. Yes. So anytime there's an unsolved murder, I'm like. Wait, hold on. I need to go look up where Israel Keys was at this time. Yeah. 
and what state he was in because yeah. oh he's been all over the United States. He's, he's been all over. There are some cases where because we covered what the one the main one that he was arrested for mm. uh, before the, he, the Alaska girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say he's come up in at least 10 of our cases where I'm like, actually, Israel Keys was in this state yeah. or was oh, six yeah. hours away from this place, and that was his MO. Yeah. Go somewhere, rent a car, drive, yeah. you know, yeah. do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. His MO was... Uh, Bury buckets of yeah, murder. Uh, murder, murder, murder kits, his murder buckets. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that was the thing that I think made him so successful was he didn't pick victims. He picked location and then just and opportunity. let... And yeah. let opportunity, because mm-hmm. most crime is about opportunity. And then, hey, oh, this person's in my kill zone. And it's the best way to not mm-hmm. be under suspicion, yeah. right? Because you weren't there in the first place. Yeah. You didn't yeah. belong there. There was no reason for anybody to suspect you were there. And at the same time, you know, it's like, you know, in Sam's case... Now it, you kind of you know we've at the end of it, the search that first year and then the second year we went went back up there in 2019 until the Rachel thing happened and my focus turned to that. But you start to you start to start leaning that way like okay was she abducted from the trailhead? She's mm-hmm. in a notorious area. Um, you know all the facts surrounding it. She would probably been the last one coming down in the evening after everybody else. And you start leaning that way, leaning that way, leaning that way. And then, then like, in the Rachel's case, there was people leaning that way. Even some people on my team was like, maybe even myself, maybe she's not up on the mountain. You yeah. know, maybe she was, maybe something happened. Maybe she didn't make it down and got to the road and then got picked up by some weirdo. Uh, and then we'll never yeah. find her at yeah. all. But then you well, stay out there searching. And one of the things her. that you had said was her dad had said that he had three things in his mind, that Rachel's dad had three things in his mind, that she perished on the mountain, that she was on a beach in Mexico, or that she was locked in somebody's basement. And that, I I literally almost started crying when you said that, because that, I feel like I would drive myself crazy with those possibilities. And especially after everyone, you have all these people that have been searching for your kid or you looking for Sam or Rachel. And no sign. Like, no for sign. so long, With and no nothing. one's found anything. It's so hard for you to still be like, she's on the mountain. Like, yeah. it's hard for your brain not to want it to be something yeah. else. Because how often do people vanish without a trace other than human intervention? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it happens in the woods, but yeah. other than that, not so much, right? Yeah. I mean... Right. Yeah. It's just crazy how people can vanish like that. It's so hard to wrap... Like... Even no matter how many cases we do, how many stories we hear, how much we look at these cases where these people really do just go missing in the woods and something happens and they're just... Well, and here's the thing about people going missing in the woods. They usually have their gear with them. So if you don't find them, you're most likely not going to find their gear, which means there's no trace of them, right? Unless Um, they purposely um, trace. It's crazy. But it's pretty cool. We actually share a lot of... um, we share a lot with our podcast and your followers. We share quite a few, at least, because we had so many people were tagging us in your lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your Every posts. time your live would come on, I would get, like, like right. 10 DMs from people. Like, Cool. I'm like, I'm already on, you guys. <laughs> like, I'm already watching. Thanks. I'm already watching. But, yeah, so, I mean, a lot, even on, like, the, the Sam Sayers Facebook, people are like, oh, you guys should you should interview Bud Carr. And I'm like, yeah, wouldn't that be great? You know, because I I think that people see a lot of value in what you're doing. And, you know, they know that we really do care about people being safe and people being found. And, you know, we we take this shit pretty personal. And And you go out there and you put in your work too. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why I agreed to your guys's coming on your podcast so soon is because well, we you guys are out there <laughs> you guys are out there putting in your work you know you're going out there and hiking the trails that these missing people have hiked in hiked on um and you guys are real sincere about it so that's why i agreed agreed to come on well we we definitely appreciate you coming i mean it's it, it's hard for people to know how you really feel about stuff and i think a lot of our listeners know that we really care and we do put in the work and we, you know, we care about our mountains and our woods and, and the people are out and, there. and the people yeah. that are out there. So, I mean, and the mission at hand is bringing these families of the missing peace 
and resolution. Yeah. You know, because I'm a parent, you're a parent. Yeah. Um, the unknowing is the worst. The worst. Would be the worst. Yeah, I um, agree. And, you know, outliving your child uh, is the only thing I that can come close to that. Uh, there was one thing I just wanted to, I wanted to mention that uh, I've been getting asked a lot, and I put it in my, in my video, and you'll, you'll respect this and understand this, but uh, a lot of people have asked me, you know, what did it feel like to find Rachel and bring her home to her family? And the only thing, I mean, it's such a spiritual experience with so many different emotions, you know, joy and sadness, anger. Um, and I could only compare it to the, the times when my children were born. Yeah. You know, that just... The overwhelming. The overwhelming yeah. emotion um, of that experience, which is, for better or for worse, is truly a blessing. Mm-hmm. No matter what the outcome of it is, you know, even if your child's born and they have medical issues or conditions or whatever, it's still a blessing no matter what yeah. to you as a parent. And uh, so I really want people to, because people ask me a lot, and so I really wanted to convey that to you and to your listeners that that, that really is, uh, you know, it's unfathomable. It's hard to express it in words, but if I was to compare it to anything... That's what I'd have to compare it to. Would be I like it. When my yeah. child, children were born. Yeah. Um, well, where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, well, when I'm out of Facebook jail, you can find us on <laughs> 49th Parallel on Facebook. Um, after the whole Sam Sayers thing, I really like tightened up my personal Facebook page. So it's really hard to friend me or find me on my personal page. Then we have our YouTube channel, 49th Parallel. And then um, it was 49th Parallel on Instagram, but I changed it to Garuda King 1978. I might change it back to 49th Parallel. That was there towards the end of the Tom thing and the height of, oh, yeah, you're scamming families and everything and yeah. started to get the hate mail and the hate texts. And, and I was really just ready to wash sometimes. my hands yeah. of it all because in the Sam Sayers thing, you know, they doxed my address there were people coming by the house being weird you know driving by real slow sitting in the parking lot with their cars running at night you know and i'm on the mountain um and you know my wife and kids are at home scared to death and luckily our landlord lives right next door and he's a pretty awesome old man and he's like yeah if anybody comes fucking around here i'll kill him (laughs) you know i'll shoot him like I'm right here and uh, and whatnot. So, you know, when it comes to that, and you really got to, you know, you got to protect your families, number one. And and uh, it's a shame that these people are out there that are willing to do things like that to silence you and to, and to, and to pretty much eradicate any hope for these families to have resolution, yeah. something. But we will also put links in the episode okay. uh, to your social media, at least, at least for the 49th parallel, yeah. so that people have yeah. access to that. Yeah. Well, we really, really appreciate you sitting down and chatting with us. I mean, yeah. I, I've wanted to talk to you since I first started reading about you. I'm like, I'm going to figure out what's going on with this guy. What's right. everybody's problem? So I uh, I don't know. Well, that's, you know, that's what they say. Uh, what uh, Bad press is better than no press. I, well, I guess. I, mean, I don't know. You do have people hanging out outside your house. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not, that's not too good. But uh, now we got some good, you know, we got some good dogs that are very protective. So good, if good. anybody wants to come around, they're going to get probably chewed up and then shot by my landlord yeah. if I'm not there. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we really thank appreciate you. it. No, yeah. I really, yeah. I really appreciate it too. Thank you. All right. So thanks for tuning in, you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed our interview with Bud Carr. Um, We are releasing this today, even though we were going to take this week off. We lied to you guys. Yeah. So this is coming out today. And next week, we're going to be taking off. It just kind of worked out that way. So thanks for being patient, guys. We are super busy right now. Um, But if you need more content, come check us out on Patreon. The link is in our bio on Instagram. Yep. Or most other places. You can probably find it. 
And uh, go check out Bud Carr. Check out his article that came out yesterday. It's pretty amazing. There's some great photos in there, and the writer did an amazing job. So, yeah, thank you to our listeners who um, tagged us in all of Bud Carr's things. Well, and every update. Thank you for tagging us in every update that you guys see on any of our cases. We really appreciate it. You guys are amazing. You're the best. So thanks, guys. And we will see you not next week, but the following week. But we will still be posting on Instagram. All right. Bye. Bye.